This is the Carl Miller Show, where we talk about all things real estate, financial investments, and getting into a home you love. With over 15 years of experience, this is your host, Carl Miller. Good morning. You're listening to the Carl Miller Show. I'm your host, Carl Miller. Have you ever wondered what real estate agents do and how their expertise is valuable for homeowners and home buyers? I want to give a special thanks to Fortress Foundation Solutions for sponsoring our show this month. Fortress Foundation Solutions is the locally owned company that takes pride in protecting your home. They specialize in basement waterproofing, foundation repair, crawl space encapsulation, and concrete leveling with free estimates and professional service. Trust the local experts at Fortress Foundation Solutions to protect your home. And today I'm joined in studio by Erin Rauscher. She is the COO of Carl Miller Realty. And for she's going to bring some perspective today on a typical home buying transaction. But we're going to be discussing the role of a realtor and what to expect from your real estate agent. And in the second half of the show, we will explore how to grow your net worth with real estate. It's time for a new featured listing from Carl Miller Realty. This week's featured listing, it's an amazing one-level home in Cornerstone. It's on a Cornerstone cul-de-sac. It's got beautiful curb appeal built by Wayne Maddox. It's a one-owner home. It's got a sprawling floor plan. It's got a full finished basement. And then in addition to that, there's actually a bonus room above the garage on the second floor with a great walk-in attic space. It's one of the best values in Cornerstone. It's priced at $429.9. What makes this house really special is there's a concrete driveway that goes to the back of the house and there's room to park an RV or a boat in the backside, completely out of sight and completely within compliance of the Cornerstone community. So if you want more information on that, check it out on our website or contact us and we will be glad to get you any information you would like on that house. And it's a great value for a, a big one level house in Cornerstone. Aaron, so honored to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. You know, you've been working full-time in the real estate world now for, what, a little over three years? Yes, I think I just hit my three-year mark last week. It, it feels like we've been working together longer than it that. Does, it you, does. We've had a busy three years. <clears throat> yeah, so you, before you were in real estate, what did you do before you were in real estate? Well, I went to school. I majored in English at Liberty University, and I graduated with that degree. And then I started working for you, actually, my last semester at Liberty. So mm-hmm. this is... This has been a lot of what I've done. Before that, I worked at a library in high school, and I worked in food service for a little while. Yeah. But this has definitely been a job that's clicked, and that is a real joy that I want to keep pursuing. There was another business owner that had referred you to me, and he called, and he said, uh, we're not hiring right now, but if we were, we'd be hiring this lady. You need to call her. And it just so happened I had a vacancy at the at the team, and you came on board, and you've been with me ever since. And, and uh, your role has changed quite a bit over the years. It and, sure has. And I'm just so excited that you're here with us. And uh, I think it'd be good for the listeners today as well, because we're talking about the value of, of a realtor and what we do. And uh, I tell people all the time that Aaron is the one who makes our team and our realty company looks really good. And uh, we just, you know, part of that is the service side of things, which we'll get into. But we're going to talk about five expectations that listeners should have of your realtor and why having a great realtor relationship will save you and make you more money, whether you're buying or whether you're selling. So I'm going to rattle off the first five and we'll go into these in detail. And Aaron, I'd love to get your perspective, especially on a few of these. So the five expectations you should have is number one, network of referrals for real estate needs and beyond. So just having a lot of relationships and a good network of referrals. Number two, valuable insights of the local real estate market. Thirdly, outstanding negotiation skills. Fourth, a thorough understanding of the transaction process. 
And I'll say this, Aaron on our team probably has the best transaction process of anyone in Lynchburg. And she's amazing. And we'll get to learn a little bit more about that in a second. And then five, transparent and consistent communication. So those are the, the five expectations you should have as your real, with your realtor. So let's start at the top. A great agent will have a network of relationships to aid them in serving their clients. Did you know that the typical real estate agent transaction typically involves 15 to 20 other businesses? You know, moving is a big deal. And uh, Aaron, I'll let you chime in here. What are some of the companies you kind of see that are involved in a typical real estate transaction as you help coordinate things in our office? Sure. Well, right off the bat, most buyers are already talking with their lender before right. an offer even goes in. So there's a lender, there's got to be a closing attorney, sometimes more than one in mm -hmm. certain instances. Yep. You're going to have inspectors, home inspectors, and then you know others as needed, whether it's for a well flow test or yep. foundation inspection, anything like that, that buyers want in addition to that. And then there's the transact, or I'm sorry, the um, inspections that the seller has to provide, like mm -hmm. termite water, septic yep. inspections or septic pumping. So you've got a lot of other parties who are involved in that process and who make it possible to have a closing. Yeah, absolutely. And then and then there's other, um, sometimes there's other aspects too. Like sometimes we have to get a survey done or yes. sometimes there is, uh, you already mentioned termite contractors, but sometimes so the home inspector will reveal issues where we have to get another company involved, like a roofer or a plumber or an electrician. And, and so one of the strengths that uh, your realtor should be able to provide for you is having those connections to where when you need to bring in another business owner, there's a relationship and there's a phone call that can be made because it's no secret contractors are really busy today. Mm -hmm. And if there is a relationship established with between a between an agent and that contractor, usually that relationship will get the priority is what we're finding. Uh, we had a little bit of a, a challenge this week, uh, you know, with with getting a contractor out to a house with a with a specific service pertaining to a fireplace, and you know, but we were able to find one eventually th through some persistence of you, Aaron. So thank you for <laughs> your persistence. Um, so that's that is a, just a, having a great network of relationships and being able to forge a path forward with the expertise of of not only what needs to happen next, but then also having those connections so that the the transaction can continue is one of the great strengths of having a good realtor. Another uh, strength that realtors bring to you, the consumer, is valuable insights on the local market. And we talked about this in past shows about how all real estate is local. I gave the example of, you know, if somebody's coming in from Michigan to visit you in Lynchburg and they ask what the weather is like typically in October and, and you just give them the uh, average that the temperature is typically 52 degrees in October, that's not um, helpful. That's just what the U.S. average is. And we want to know what the local market is. And for buyers, these insights might include things like local tax structures, uh, local zoning regulations for specific uses, uh, local communities and HOA regulations in different communities. There's there's a number of communities around Greater Lynchburg that have HOAs, and sometimes those HOA regulations can vary significantly from subdivision to subdivision. A knowledgeable realtor of those would be very helpful for, for buyers. Uh, zip codes and their relationships. One of the unique things about Lynchburg is you can have a 24503 zip code, but you could be in Lynchburg City in the city schools, or you could actually be in Bedford County, for example. So that's an example of just the demographics of the local market. And it's very confusing mm -hmm. to people coming in from out of town sometimes. And also what, what the demand is, like on the, it's, it's funny, Lynchburg's a small town. You can get from one end to, uh, to the other in about 25 minutes, no matter where you are. But the demand, you know, and supply chains is a little different on the east side versus the west side of town or the north versus the south side of the James River. And then the broader picture as well. Just being able to give that local insight is, is valuable for buyers. Another uh, strength that a realtor can bring is outstanding negotiation skills. 
And, and a good agent knows the market and will be able to aid his or her clients in leveraging the market conditions to their client's strengths so that the client gets the best possible outcome. You know, many times this involves condition in terms outside of, of what is traditionally requested. A lot of times people get hung up on price. But for example, in today's market, it's not uncommon for a seller to list their house without knowing for sure where they're going to be moving to. And one clause that can be added to a purchase agreement for a seller with an incoming offer and a buyer is a subject to seller contracting on suitable housing clause. And this gives the seller reserving the right, the opportunity to lease back maybe for up to 45 days from the purchaser after closing in order to obtain suitable housing, or maybe just a straight up contingency that, hey, we're going to make this contingent on us finding a good house. So a great agent will advocate, will be an advocate for their client to make sure that the client's needs are met. Home condition, home inspection conditions are another opportunity for great agents to shine and just guide their clients and helping them keep the main things, the main things in their mind and on the agenda and just not getting too wrapped up in the emotion of uh, sometimes the minutia, sometimes those details can be a very emotional process. So just having good negotiation skills and helping clients forge a path forward is, is a valuable asset of the realtor. Let's talk about the transaction process. And Erin is um, Carl Miller Realty's COO. She's our, our transaction process coordinator. Um, talk about your process a little bit, Erin, from the day you receive a ratified contract to the closing. What's some of the things that you do to help the uh, Carl Miller team? Sure. I'd, I'd say there's a lot of detail coordination and then there's a lot of people coordination because mm -hmm. the first thing is just making sure that everybody's signed where they need to and initialed where they need to on the contract, making sure we keep orderly files so that nothing slips through the cracks. I go through the contract and notate any deadlines we have coming up, any inspections that we need to provide what, you know, on the buyer side or the seller side, just making sure that I know the process that that client's going to need to walk through. And then I put it in my calendar to help prompt them through each step of the way. And I also, on the first day we get a ratified contract, I send out emails to the lender and then the closing company, the mm -hmm. other agent, our client, make sure that everybody has what they need and everybody knows who to contact, who to communicate with from our team to get things done. So there's a lot of coordinating the details, but then there's a lot of coordinating between people, making sure that the inspections are happening on a date that works for the inspector and the mm -hmm. homeowner, or making sure that if a buyer wants to be there, that they can make that work with their schedule. So... I get to do a lot of talking to clients throughout the process, and that's my favorite part because I love mm. being able to walk them through, explain how the process goes, and just be a listening ear for any questions or concerns. Do you see any common themes or common pitfalls that people have or maybe unmet expectations? Like what's some of the things you kind of hear as a mm. pattern over and over again, maybe with a seller or with a buyer, or maybe you want to speak to both of those? Is there anything that you see that, okay, well, this is something that I'm, you know, that people – need to be aware of and sure. that you have to educate folks on. That's a common theme. I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit. No, that's okay. <laughs> I think one thing that struck a chord with me when you were talking is about how buyers coming in from out of state or even mm, sellers who yeah. have sold a home in another area before, they're going to bring a lot of expectations from their last experience that won't necessarily be true for the Lynchburg market. It's amazing to me what I've learned in the last three years is how much the market does vary from state to state. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot of variables that can that can come into play. So I think realizing how our process works here. And I think another maybe common pitfall in 2020 is expecting yeah. that a closing date is absolutely firm because right. things happen. Yes. It's not a not meaning that your deal is going to fall apart, but there can be delays on, on any end. There's a whole lot of moving parts having to come together for a closing date. And so I think one of the benefits of having a team who is fighting for you is that 
if we can't ensure that it will close exactly on the date of the contract, we can ensure that we're going to give you updates every step of the way, that we're going to check in with every party and keep the process moving. We want to make sure that that goes, you know, things keep the ball rolling and that we get to closing as quickly as possible. So I think just understanding that there are a lot of things happening and Mm -hmm. things might not go exactly as you planned, but being able to trust us that we're going to do our best to advocate for you and walk you through that process. Right, right. And you, you've been doing this uh, in our team for a number of years now. How, how long did it take you to feel like you had a good handle on the transaction oh process? And you were doing this every day. I want to say curious. a year till I was comfortable. And even so, I <laughs> right. learn new things every day, which I love. Right. It's a great thing about this industry. But it has been a joy to realize how well equipped we are to fight through problems and find solutions yeah. because of partly your networks. I mean, for one thing, right. your knowledge base. There, most questions I have that I don't know, I can come to you and you've got an answer. You've had an experience before. And, you know, if we don't have an answer, your networks of people who are professionals in their fields are great resources for us to figure out. So right. it is our goal throughout the transaction process to figure out a solution if anything comes up. And that's that's part of why it's good to have a realtor fighting for you instead of trying to do things on your own, as we've, we've had a lot had a lot of experiences. We know a lot of people, and you know that's that's right. kind of a fun part of the job. Yeah, it is. And and, and just so you know, I I learn every week too. We're always sure. learning things. And you're exactly right about the t- today. Just having a little bit more um, leniency, possibly with expectations, because I mean, it's there's no secret. It's it's a very strong year for refinances and for loans. The interest rates is, are driving that. So as a result, the appraisers are backed up, the yes. lenders are backed up, and and again, we we do our best to stay in touch with people, but. Again, just having that thorough understanding of the transaction process is definitely a strength that uh, we we can bring, but it should be an expectation for any anyone who's listening who's going through a real estate transaction right now. And that kind of leads into the fifth item, which is transparent and consistent communication. Yes. Another expectation that, that's reasonable to have from your agent is just transparent communication. Even in the delivery of bad news are things that are not easy to hear. A great agent is constantly delivering updates and news, good or bad, you know, every week. And this is part of the job of being an excellent agent. It's not easy, uh, but because it's not fun to deliver news that nobody wants to hear. But but here's what I know: P- people would rather be told the truth upfront, so that a decision can be made and a path forward can be explored, than having that bad news being hidden from them and then yes. a bombshell being dropped. And you you have some experience with sure, that, absolutely. even recently. <laughs> yes, and I like to play the role of counselor sometimes. That definitely comes up because it is, it is like you said, it's very hard to deliver bad news, but that is one of our promises is that we're going to be honest. We're going to be forthright with what's going on. And once everything's out in the open, that's usually when you can find a quick solution. Mm-hmm. When things are being hidden or not talked about, that's not a good path forward. So, right. But it is... It is a. It can be a really stressful process for buyers and sellers alike. But that's another thing I love about being a team is that we're very accessible, and we are there to be a listening ear. Sometimes mm-hmm. somebody just needs to talk it out right. because it's a very stressful process. A lot of emotions are involved. Mm-hmm. So I love being able to be the person who can be a listening ear and provide encouragement in those times where it does get a little stressful, while also making sure that a solution is reached. Yeah, absolutely. We're speaking with Erin Rauscher. She is the COO of our realty company, Carl Miller Realty, and she is our transaction coordinator. And we're discussing the five expectations you should have of your realtor. And Erin, I really appreciate you coming in and your insight on this. You're you're really good at what you do. I'm just so honored that you're working with, with us and uh, you've added a lot of value to our team. And, and it, one of the things I hear consistently from our past clients is, Aaron is awesome. And so when I heard about the uh, what we were talking about today with the uh, when we made the decision to talk about the five expectations, I wanted you to come on and just share your insight. And I appreciate that. 
Um, I always like to get to know our guests a little bit, Aaron. So I'm going to throw a couple curveballs at you here. A couple couple questions. Get to know Aaron. Okay. Um, if if uh, if if you're uh, let's see, I'll go with the movie theme. If you're uh, at home and you're scrolling through the channels and and a movie's on, and no matter what it is, every time that movie's on, you're going to stop and you're going to watch it, or at least a section of it. I don't know how much it would come on TV, but I think okay. one of my all-time favorite movies is That Thing You Do, which okay. has Tom Hanks in yes. it. And it's just always a favorite. It's a feel-good movie for me, right. and so I could probably watch any portion of that anytime. There you go. And then uh, let me ask you this question, too. I asked Greg uh, Wormser last week this question. Uh, what was one of the best pieces of advice anybody's ever given you? This is just the first thing that comes to mind. I can't say it's the best piece of advice, but when I was finishing college, I was trying to decide if I was going to go to um, go on to get my master's. And a lot of my professors were encouraging me to do it. And I sat down with one professor and she just told me, I only advise people to do this if they need it to do something they really want to do or if they really want to do it. And it just made me think, there are a lot of things that you can do in life, a lot of mm-hmm. goals you can pursue. Mm-hmm. But she kind of gave me the freedom to like, if you don't really, really want to do this, that's yeah. not the thing you have to pursue. And mm-hmm. so it's just cool to me that then the job opportunity opened up to join your team. And I'm absolutely doing something that I love. Yeah. And I don't know, I think that was just kind of a, a pivotal moment in my life where yeah. I took a direction rather than another. And so that was yeah. a good piece of advice. I'm sure there are more profound things, but that's yeah. the one that came to mind. That's great. Thanks for sharing your perspective, Aaron. And uh, thanks for joining us today for the first segment. When we come back, we'll be discussing growing your net worth with real estate. We're back with the Carl Miller Show. I'm your host, Carl Miller. If you're just tuning in with us, we're talking about three ways to increase your net worth owning real estate. Actually, Scammerhorn is with me today, and we'll be just discussing this a little bit. Actually, I'm so happy that you're here, and you do a great job of just keeping us going on the show, making it sound good. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here, actually, and um, this is actually completely out of my element. Um, real estate's a very interesting topic to me. It's always something I've been interested in. Never bought a house myself, though, but uh, soon enough I'll be calling Mr. Carl Miller when I do. Oh, you're making a good decision. So I wanted to talk <laughs> a little bit about uh, increasing your net worth. And actually, you may have heard this statistic, because I've said this before many times, but did you know there is a big difference between the what the average tenant's net worth is and what the average homeowner's worth, net worth is? And do you know what that difference is? You know, I, I knew there was a discrepancy, but I, I don't know how much. So, you know? so the average tenant, and again, I think there is, um, you have to also factor in that most homeowners are older folks and most tenants are younger. I mean, I think there's a dynamic here, but just, just in averages, the average tenant's net worth is under $5,000, while the average net worth of a homeowner is over $240,000. Oh, wow. So obviously time plays into the fact with net worth building, but I, I wanted to just talk about it because I have people sometimes asking me like, hey, what's, what's, how do you get started? How do you get started owning real estate? So I want to just give three tips and then a couple of maybe more complex things for some people who are further down the path. So the very first thing is to start by buying a house. So unless you've inherited a house or are living in a relative's basement rent-free, most likely you're going to be either paying your own mortgage or you'll be paying your landlord's mortgage. And uh, housing payments, that's, that's a standard expense. With ownership over time, your equity grows and your home appreciates in value. And actually, this is another question. In 1967, so if you got to go way back, you got to think the Beatles. Hey Jude was released in 1967 and the Ford Mustangs were just, that's my favorite car, the old Mustangs. The average price of a home in 1967 in the United States. In the 60s. Oh, in average. In the 60s. Yeah. Hippie people. Van people. 
Oh. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think maybe what my... I mean, my yeah. parents bought a house in the it, '90s, it, so it was like maybe yeah. that's not a good scope to look at. I mean, it had to have been under 150, right? Oh, very much so. Keep going down. It, it, way, this is way a, down. Way down. Under this is 90 a shocking, K. Under 90. It's, Whoa. It, down, it's it's a shocking number to me. It's like down. 60 something. Keep going down. Forty thousand. Twenty thousand one hundred dollars. Oh that was the average price of a single family home in 1967. Now we all know inflation's happened over there, but even if you factor in inflation, the in today's dollars, that's about one hundred and seventy thousand dollars if you factor in inflation. So, the but in the U.S. today, that number is two hundred and ninety-five thousand. So the average home is two hundred ninety-five thousand today. In nineteen sixty-seven, it was twenty thousand one hundred. So again, uh, even after inflation, it would be one hundred seventy. So housing historically has outpaced inflation by about two percent. So one way to just invest in your financial future is just to buy a home and buy a home smartly because it's a good way to get on the path of net wealth building your net worth. So yeah, it's a fascinating conversation. I And I look at Lynchburg, I see the old records sometimes of houses that, that sold. In fact, I, I just, I was involved in a sale earlier this year of a, of a house that was built in 1959 as a one owner home and they had built it. Her and her husband had built it brand new and it was uh, around 17,000. I'm going from memory, so about 17,000 is what they paid for this house. And oh, their wow. house payment was $125 a month. So That's great. Yeah, yeah see, because I, I, you hear a lot about people throwing, quote, throwing away money on, oh, yeah. on rent. So yeah, that makes sense. Buy your first house, it's an investment. It is an investment. And at the same time, if, if, if you're renting currently and you're not 100% sure you're going to be in that same locality or in, it, we're talking to Lynchburgers here. So if you're not positive, you'll be in Lynchburg for the next two years or so. Maybe worth to keep renting if your intent is to move out. But for the most part, if you've got a stable job and you plan to be here, homeownership is definitely the way to get started. The second uh, way you can build net worth is, and this is kind of leaning towards the first time homebuyers, to consider using your house as a supplement for income. So again, housing is going to be an expense for people. You're either going to be paying your mortgage or your landlord's mortgage. And if you're a single person specifically, or maybe a young couple with no kids, and you have a portion of your house that you can rent out to others, either to a roommate or maybe a basement apartment, or a lot of people today, especially around Lynchburg, are using their homes as a short-term rental, like through Airbnb, there's some really cool ways that this sharing economy can work to, so somebody else is helping you pay your house payment, which is awesome. And yeah, you're giving them somewhere to live too, you know, getting them off, off the, I was going to say off the streets. Hopefully right. they're not homeless to begin with, but. Out of their parents' um, basement. Yeah, out of their parents' basement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because come on, let's face it. You could, you could live with a roommate and have more fun, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I live with roommates. They're a lot more fun. Love my parents. Love you, mom and dad. Roommates yes. are more fun. Yeah. No offense to mom and dad because we love our parents. That's right. But uh, one of the things that I, that I know that uh, some of my clients have done specifically is they, they've had a, a house and they've got a basement apartment. It's got a separate entrance. And, you know, just by fixing that up a little bit, there is a demand, or at least before COVID, of sharing your house uh, and doing um, short-term rentals. Right now, I've seen a little bit of a trend away from the shared space, and it's more of the single-family, non-owner-occupant uh, homes are more hot properties on Airbnb. That's a little side note. But the Airbnb and the short-term rental market is definitely a way to do that. And some, so I've had, I've had two clients recently that have sold, not, they were going to, they moved, they moved to a bigger house that met their needs, but they kept their old house and converted it into a, an Airbnb or VRBO house. And uh, both of them are cash flowing on those properties really well. So it's kind of neat, but the, today's uh, environment gives you opportunity to use your house for income. That's fantastic. So that leads into the third opportunity, and that's to buy investment property. You know, buying real estate, it's, it's a long-term, as a long-term investment, makes sense here locally because investors can cash flow out immediately. A lot of markets, you can't cash flow. And, and, the, and what I mean by that is you buy a house and the tenant's rent 
won't cover the mortgage like coastal markets. If you're anywhere on the East Coast or the West Coast within sight of the ocean, that's an example if you're going to use it as a long-term rental. But rising rent rates has, have outpaced the house prices locally. And I spoke with a local investor just recently about a home that she owns. It's over in the Fort Hill area, and it's a one-bathroom, three-bedroom house. And it's renting, it's a, it's a small house, but it's renting for $1,000 a month. And that tenant is paying her, paying the mortgage off, paying every dollar of maintenance, every mile she drives on the house, and every single dollar invested in that property becomes a tax write-off. So there's a good tax opportunity, a tax shelter for folks who itemize their tax returns. And uh, it's just a pretty cool opportunity because real estate appreciates and the tenants are paying off their mortgage, like we talked about in the first part of the show with you're either paying your mortgage or your tenant's paying your mortgage. So you have the opportunity today to be a landlord, at, you know, over time and uh, be able to capitalize on that opportunity. I would say this too, uh, there are some mistakes sometimes uh, people that are investing properties make. And I think you need to decide if you're going to be investing, you have to decide if you're going to invest for cash flow, where the tenant pays the mortgage off every month, or if you're going to invest long-term for the capital gains, kind of playing the long game and, and expecting appreciation to overtake the uh, the short-term cash flow. So an example of capital gains locally might be purchasing a property uh, either that's commercial or maybe in a residential area where the homes are newer or priced a little higher. So maybe example would be Cornerstone, uh, Cornerstone community, the homes are higher priced, but the rents are also higher, but there's not quite enough there to really make a huge return every month from the cash flow. But if you buy in an older, an older house or an older part of town, you can get a cheaper house, but the rent rates are still high and your cash flow will be, will be higher. So investors, if you're thinking about buying real estate, kind of decide what's more important to you, the, the, the uh, cash flow coming in every month or the long-term appreciation. There's not a bad decision, but Lynchburg is more of a cash flow game. If you're buying in the West coast of California, if you're buying on the East coast, right on the ocean of Virginia, you're probably playing more of the capital gains uh, game a little bit. And then real estate is also a long-term investment. It should be approached with a long-term mindset. There's a lot of Cinderella stories out there, and chief among them is probably the guy who claims to be a house flipper. And actually, I don't know if you – do you watch the home shows at all on TV? They always are pretty flashy. And I, I do love love watching the house flipping go from kind of musky right. and old to all white and clean. Yeah, and it's, it's flashy. It's fun. But the reality is, is – it's hard to do. It's a lot harder than reality is. I mean, the reality is it's harder to do than what the TV uh, shows look like. So there's a reason that banks are really hesitant to give loans on rehab houses because there's a lot of work that's required. And uh, there are some ways you can do that, but the key is to get them at the right price. And those shows, they always make money, it seems like. They always make money and it's always a fun rah-rah event. And I don't know, I just gotta get a kick out of it sometimes. So you can actually make money doing that. Uh, there's people in Lynchburg here that do that, but the key is to get it at the right price. So. Uh, in today's competitive market, if it hits the open market, it's probably going to be a little bit higher than what it makes sense to flip the house. And I use that word in quotes to, to, to turn that house over. But if you can find the deal off the market or get it get a good deal uh, before the rest of the people find out about it, because there's a lot of people doing that today, uh, there is a chance you can do that. But, but it's more it's more important to kind of play the the longer game and get the house for the right price. Personally, I love real estate. I like owning it. I like helping people buy it. I enjoy helping those who hold it, sell it in a way that maximizes their return. And I'd love to be your trusted advisor Miss, uh, for, for the listeners here uh, in the next transaction, including you too, Ashley, you said that. Oh, it'll be happening. I like it. I'll be calling you. I like it. And now, the bizarre real estate fact of the week. One Canadian development company offered anyone who buys one of their new condo units, these are brand new, for 400,000 Canadian dollars, and that's, that's about 290 U.S., they offered them one year of free avocado toast 
at a nearby cafe. <laughs> Sounds like they're um, trying to capitalize off of millennials there yeah, a little bit. Yeah, avocado toast. <laughs> I, I can see that happening in California. I was surprised to hear it happening in Canada. You know, it says here that they were about $15, so maybe it is. Maybe that would be a good incentive. Anyway, so having a week for free would equal about a $780 discount over time. So there you go. If you have real estate questions you want answered on the air, send your questions to radio at carlmillerteam.com or to any of our so- social media platforms. Thank you for t- tuning in this week. Carl Miller, your local, caring, competent, and trusted advisor for all things real estate. Special thanks to our sponsor again this month, Fortress Foundation Solutions. Have a great week and see you next Saturday for another morning of the Carl Miller Show. Thanks again, Ashley, for helping out this morning. <laughs>